you know, I'm going to learn how to change my own oil on my car. I can do that. I can learn that. Hello, welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood and marriage. And Snapchat. And Snapchat. (laughs) To those eight of you who follow Morgan on Snapchat, welcome. I am Barry Liga. With me, of course... Is Morgan Baden? Hi, Morgan. Hi, Bear. Hi, thank everyone. you, thank you for promoting us to the the high single digits of people who follow you on Snapchat. Uh, just before the show started, Morgan decided to snap. Is that what they call it? Is it called snapping? It is, yeah. okay, that's what I figured. I don't know anything about Snapchat. Uh, but Morgan decided to snap and uh, then dropped her phone, making a noise just as I started recording and said, hey, I'm promoting the show. And I said, how many people? And she said about eight. So there you go. It Welcome. Might be, it might be like 12. I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. if it's that's a 50 percent more than eight. So that's pretty impre- That's a 50 percent growth from the last time we talked about For this. Like 30 seconds. That's like a serious hockey stick curve. Is, like yeah. that's that's impressive. No, but seriously, I'm obsessed with, with Snapchat. You right are. You really I are. I need uh, more friends. Follow me on Snapchat. Okay. People. Everybody who is listening, <laughs> everybody within the sound of my voice, follow Morgan on Snapchat. <laughs> if you're not already on Snapchat, get on it just to follow Morgan. You don't have to do anything else. Just follow Morgan. Make her feel good. We will report back and let you know how successful this was. We know roughly how many people listen to this show. So if we don't see pretty much that number of people following her, there will be consequences. You're all fired. Wow. Donald Trump reference this early in the show. (laughs) All right. So every now and then on this show, I like to do something I call follow up where we, you call it follow up. I call it follow up. No one else in the world calls a follow up. No, all the other podcasts I listen to call it follow up. But anyway, (laughs) uh, or sometimes just F you. Uh, but speaking of Donald Trump, speaking of Donald Trump. So, uh, I want to follow up on a couple of things we've talked about in the recent past on okay. the show. First of all, we talked a, a couple of weeks ago about the sort of weird thing that I have done in the past where I sort of program my brain to work on a story while I'm sleeping. Right. Uh, usually a story problem, but sometimes it's the germ of an idea and then wake up in the morning and usually some sort of solution presents itself. And, uh, uh, longtime faithful listener Melissa Walker uh, <laughs> sent us a great uh, post on Medium that says uh, this 10 minute routine will increase your clarity and creativity. And it basically is about sort of training your brain to, to solve these problems for you without actually consciously thinking about it. Yeah. So we will put a link to that in the show notes. I encourage everybody to take a look at it. It's very interesting stuff. I've been meaning to try it and I haven't. And it, it, it's certainly a lot more detailed than what I could, could tell you of yeah. my, my experiences, which is just, Oh, I think about it and then I go to bed. You know, <laughs> that's not really helpful. Uh, this is a little more of a, here's how you can sort of work yourself up to doing this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Thank you for sending that to us, Melissa. And then the second thing I wanted to follow up on was last week you talked about how you find yourself saying, be careful, be careful to Leia all the time. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about, is that because she's a girl as opposed to, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we'd had a boy, would you be as worried about her? And we talked about, you know, what if we have a second child and if that child's a boy or, you know, how, how will we act? Right. What will be different, and and yeah. a listener actually got in touch with you. Part of our vast international listening audience mm-hmm. got been... in touch with you from yeah. Scotland. Yeah. My favorite country. <laughs> uh, I am part Scottish. And uh, Scotland is awesome. So you you heard from a listener in Scotland. 
I did. Um, That's the correct pronunciation. Yes. Who said? So shout out, to, shout out to Michelle first of all. Thank you for listening. Um, we know each other from high school. Uh, so she has two kids. The first is a boy, and then recently she had a girl, and she said she wanted to weigh in and basically assure me that she doesn't think it's a gender thing. She thinks it's a paranoid parent of a first child thing. Which we had said might be. Which I've always wanted. I mean, I already know when we have another kid, I'm going to be much more, I think, much less worried much less anxious, much more loose with the rules. She's going to give that kid a raw steak to chew on from day one, right? <laughs> yeah. Knives. Knives. You know, everything. Anything they want. Yeah. Burning flames. So Small um, things they can swallow. <laughs> no, but it was helpful to hear. She was saying that with her son, who is um, a few years old now, maybe four, I can't quite remember, but uh, total cutie. She said that she still struggles with giving him the, the flexibility and the space to take risks. Sure. Like when he's at the playground or whatever. Um, whereas with her new baby, she's definitely less anxious than she was with the first. And right. again, I, I just really appreciated hearing that yeah. um, from her. And it, yeah, it, it made me, it made me feel better. <laughs> so that right. was good. <laughs> I, it's funny. I thought about that a lot today because we took Leia to a, I don't even know how to describe it, a, a street festival of sorts. And one of the things that she got to do was climb on a truck. Yeah. And I took her up onto the bed of it. It was like a like a one of those cherry picker yeah. trucks. So uh, the the cherry picker thing was folded down, but it's a flat bed in the back, and you can get up and walk around on it and everything, and and see what's up there and look at all the mechanics and and it was it was fun. She enjoyed it and she walked around, and I was keenly aware of the fact that there was nothing preventing her from walking right off the side of the truck and plunging like stop four and a half it. feet no, to no, the concrete stop. and. I wanted to just like strap her to me, like get, right, like yeah. bust out a mountain climbing carabiner and just like connect her to me so that nothing bad could happen. But and, and I, by the way, listeners, Barry was up on the truck. Yeah, with I was her. up on the truck yeah. with her. This is not something where I threw her up on the truck and then stood there going, "Hi, honey, look at daddy." No, I was up on the truck with her. But I also I didn't want to crowd her yeah. and make her feel like like. I didn't want to lessen her enjoyment of this moment of yeah. being able to walk on this truck and touch the ladders and, and touch the little hydraulics and, and all that stuff, which she was enjoying. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it was a weird moment. And I have to say, I was expecting to hear your voice because you were on the, on the ground level. I was, expe- I was expecting, <laughs> be careful, look out for her. Or, Do you have her? Oh, my God, don't turn your head. Like, I was expecting that, and I got none of that. I have to and- be honest, the only part, the only moment where I was worried yeah. was you were bent over, and I thought you were going to stand up and whack your head on the ladder. Well, and I do that all the time. I know, so, that's why. So yeah. I wasn't even, but, like, I wasn't concerned about her safety. You yeah. had her. It was. Yeah. I knew it was yeah. fine. But I will say that usually the day, it, Usually it does make more sense to be more worried about, about me. About you yeah. than her, yeah. No, but later in the day, um, she was running around the food truck area, and it was just blacktop. Yeah. And, you know, she she loves to run. Yeah. But she trips and falls sometimes. She's sure, a kid. She's and I, I never want her to trip and fall and, like, this is ridiculous, and, like, scrape her knees or her hands, because I know that's right. painful. I don't want... She's going to do that. I know that. Yep. So today... And she's going to do worse. I yes, mean, she's going to hit yeah. her head. She's going to, yeah. you know... But just in terms of um, how you didn't want to crowd her on the yeah. truck... She is, I mean, she has reached the age where she lets us know when we are crowding her. And when, oh, yeah. She wants us away from her. Yep. So she's running around and I'm chasing after her and she's, you know, touching all the food trucks. And I'm telling myself, like, let her run. She's fine. She's not running away. You know, I see her. 
But also, I'm, I found myself shadowing her because just in case I saw her start to trip and fall, I was going to scoop her up. She kept swatting at me. And, like, every yeah. time I would I would say, like, oh, let's hold hands and walk down, she would swat me away and run away. And I was like, yes. And, like, and, I can't and, inhibit her growth anymore. And, and she swats with attitude. Oh. She, she has an expression on her face. I, I, I've i started calling her Imperious Leader, <laughs> which is a reference that old school Battlestar Galactica fans will appreciate. But, yeah, she is – she will let you know, like – Get out of my face. You're crowding me. Yeah. I'm fine. I've got this. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, the first time she trips and falls, it'll be mommy, yeah. daddy, and then who's got it? Ha, ha, ha. But, yeah. No. So, both of us today had to sort of I felt, I, let like, go I a little felt bit. proud. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And she had a good time, which is what counts. Yeah. She had a good time. We left with very dirty hands on our kids. So, oh, that's man. a sign of a good time. Yeah. You, you can't crawl up on a, a, a sign truck and touch the hydraulics and the ladders yeah. without getting some grease on your hands. Yeah. So that was that was good. Um, let's talk about something else that is good. At the risk of stating the obvious, vacation is good. <laughs> uh, we are defining vacation here, by the very way. Very liberally. Well, no. We have a very specific definition for our purposes, oh, which yes. is away from the baby. Yes. Um, we realize that we are the the popular term would be we're speaking for a privileged position perhaps this is the second time we've been able to go away without leia uh for, literally when we say this it's one full day that we're gone yeah. it's like two nights one full day we're not we're not leaving the country for a month yeah we're know? not we're not going away for a long time but we decided to to take you know a couple weekend yeah. just a couple days and do that and it makes such a difference well, it's so funny because I actually think it makes more of a difference as a creative person than it does as a parent. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. Which like, is where it dovetails with this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's a, yeah. I mean, in terms of as a parent, I mean, I think we both have some anxiety when we're not around her, um, even though she's well, with your parents and she's right, fine. Yeah. It's not even anxiety. I just genuinely miss yeah, her. Like sure. she's, she's just a hoot. Like I, yeah. I want to hang out with her all the time. So um, but also I want a break sometimes. Right. And so, so when we're not with her, you know, obviously there's always that like, oh, I miss my kid. What's she doing right now? Kind of moment. But there's also a, like, I, I know how to operate without her right. because I, I did it for 35 years. So, um, so it's very easy to like, I don't know, to remember what it feels like to not have a kid. If, if that sounds weird. Sure. But when it comes to, um, the creative space that that you get when you have a moment to breathe. Right. I mean, talk about that because you well, in particular I mean, were and, like and on we've, fire. We've talked about this before. The last time we did this was back in October and we came back and we talked about it on the podcast. For those of you who weren't listening back then, I'll put a link to that show in the show notes so you can listen to it if you want. And I just and, want to say, by the way, it's May. We did that in October. Right. That's why we took this little weekend this yeah. week because yeah. all of a sudden I was like, uh, we have not been away since well, October. We've also we also though realized and acknowledged that a lot of people of course. would be like, I you know I never I, I've yeah. never done it. Of so course. yeah. Um but yeah, you know, when we talked about it last time, one of the things we talked about was the fact that it's like you know, it's almost as though there is a part of your brain. I mean, obviously, as parents, we are always thinking about our child, but it's almost as though there is a part of your brain when you are around your child that is constantly dedicated to that child. Of Where's course. the kid? What's she doing? What's yeah. going on? What's going on? Even when she's asleep, right? Nothing can happen to her. 100%. She's asleep. Yeah. She's fine. Nothing can happen. You're still, yep. there's a part of your brain. 
When you go on vacation and your child is not in physical proximity to you, it's as though that part of your brain suddenly is able to be creative or to contribute to creativity. So it's like you're using your whole brain again. Whereas before, even if you were home writing, you're not using all your brain. But now you are. And suddenly all these ideas come to you. And we actually, you know, we went and we sat out... um, we were on a, a, like a beachside hotel. We were on a beachside hotel. Even though it's a little chilly. It's a little chilly, but that's fine because there was nobody around. Yeah. So that And I don't like people, so that was good. <laughs> yeah. So we sat out at the little tiki bar type thing yeah. they've got, which nobody was there. Uh-huh. And we wrote yeah. for like an hour or something. I, don't, I didn't even yeah, time it. We wrote for a while and, and both got some work done. And it was nice. And it was just – it was free and, and – and things just flowed. And even in addition to that, I mean, multiple times throughout the day and a half that we were gone, as we were walking down the street, as we were enjoying leisurely meals, we were like riffing on ideas, right? right? Like right. I suddenly had an idea, which is something that I'm now working on actively. Right. And we're going to get to that. Idea. We're going to get yeah. to that actually. Yeah. And so it was just, it, it felt like uh, you, you said something about how the funny thing about being on vacation without the baby is that suddenly all things feel possible again. Yeah. You know, yeah. like suddenly you're like, oh, I have these dreams. Let's do them. Right. I always say that too about parenthood in general that, um, you know, when I'm not feeling well, like when I have a cold or whatever, and it's all I can do to just get through the day, I always know I'm feeling better if I wake up in the morning and I think, I have ideas. Right. I'm ready to go do something, yeah. you know? So even if I'm still like stuffed up or whatever. So, yeah. So yeah, it's not just creativity. It's everything feels possible. It's, yeah. it's, you know, I'm going to learn how to change my own oil on my car. Right. I can do that. I can <laughs> learn that. And then you come back and you've got the kid again. And you're yeah. like, what was I thinking? I don't have time for that crap. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it was, again, it's, it's obvious, but vacation is good. Anytime you can sort of, you know, allow that part of your brain to join the rest of it yeah. <laughs> and, and, and stop doing, you know, baby duty, um, that that's a good thing and yeah. it helps. And you had some great ideas that I'm really excited to see you explore. I came up with something mm-hmm, that, that I'm, that so excited I'm about. sort of surprised it was, and it was literally like, as soon as we got to the beach, like <laughs> we're driving down the street, we had just gotten there and I went, Oh, <laughs> I have an idea. Like it was, it was a ridiculous cliche. It's, it's like we drove past the, the side saying, you know, you are now entering and suddenly my brain lit up. So, um, so now I know next time I'm stuck for something, I'll yeah, just, just go road just, trip. Yeah. Road trip. Uh, so let's talk about these things. Um, you know, obviously these are very new ideas. We're not going to go into any details or give any specifics, but I want to talk a little bit because this ties into outlining, yeah. believe it or not, which is something we've touched on before, uh, in the show no- in my show notes that I'm using to run this episode, I have it described as the scourge of outlining. <laughs> um, let's talk about this because the idea that I have, uh, the thing that, that I'm probably going to be working on the folks who are interested in it are requiring me to produce an outline. Right. Chapter by chapter. Chapter by chapter. Um, People who listen to this show know that I don't work that way. I figure out the story as I'm writing it. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, oh, it'll probably be 15 to 20 chapters and they want roughly a paragraph per chapter. You know, oh, and I love the way they go, no big deal, just like a paragraph per chapter. And I'm like, (laughs) oh my 
my God. And he, he even said to me, well, that's, that's not a big deal. That's like 10 pages. Like, you know, yeah. big, big deal. 10 pages. You can knock that out in a day. And I'm like, it's not the length. No, it's, it's what content. it is. Yeah. It's the content. They could say you need a sentence for each chapter and I would be just as flummoxed because I don't work this They could say way. you need a title for each chapter and that's uh, it. I, I know. That's still not good enough. I, I have outlined once. I outlined the first Archvillain at the request of ah. at the request of my editor, and it was painful for me. And then when I wrote the book, I ended up skipping the outline. I mean, the outline was for like a twelve chapter book, and it ended up being like a twenty chapter book. And things roughly happened in the order they happened in, but I added a bunch of stuff yeah. that was not in the outline at all. Nobody ever said anything to me about this. Nobody ever said you strayed from the outline. So. I'm having a little trouble with this, and I'm tempted to just write the book and then produce the outline based on oh, that. Um, Which obviously is a risk because this is a different kind of project. Because this is a different kind of yeah. project. This is not the sort of thing where I can just write the book on spec and they'll look at it. They want to see an outline ahead of time, and then I get to write the book, which is not a way I'm accustomed to working. So all of that is by way of getting to the fact that you told me today yeah. that while Leo was napping... You outlined your new book. I did. <laughs> which I was like, who is this person? I, <laughs> I, you know, thought I'd married somebody who thought like me. And, <laughs> and it turns out that you don't. So I want to know, um, you know, I don't really care if it was good for you or not. I just want to know, what does this mean for me? How can you help me <laughs> outline my book? What advice do you have for me? Um, Remember to talk about me. Okay. You, 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 you. Uh, no, well, first of all. It's different because this is a chapter book. Right. So there's only, I'm, I'm aiming for 15 chapters. Yeah. Um, and it's about 15,000 words total, the book. Mm-hmm. So honestly, partly one of the main reasons why I knew I needed to outline this before I actually started writing it. First of all, you and I had already brainstormed the plot. Like I already knew the plot. Right. I thought On of vacation, it while I was, we sort yes, of, yeah. I thought of it while I was in the shower. Oh, on vacation, and see, I was like, oh. see, because shower is always a good place for ideas. Yeah, and then you add vacation yeah. to it, and, and it's, it's like, like vacation shower. Home, yeah, see, home vacation shower is like you know Nobel Prize winning <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's like vacation sex. It's just a different kind. That's another episode. <laughs> anyway, so um, I have heard from other authors who write chapter books and early readers and middle grades that, um, especially if you're used to writing YA, which I am at this point. Uh, they've, they've hit 20,000 words and before they knew it, and they were only like a, a quarter of the way through right, the, story. the story. hasn't even yeah. started yet. And so they were like, oh, like that's the biggest risk when you're writing a, cha- when you're transitioning to writing a chapter book. And I just didn't want to do that. Like, I don't have a lot of time. Right. <laughs> I wanted, I want this to be fruitful and to do it in a, like, I, I just can't spend three years on a book again, you right. know? So that's my goal with this right now. Plus, in all honesty, I got really excited about the story. So when I sat down today, I was like, I want to map it out because I don't, I just want to try something new. Normally I'm like you and I have an idea and I have some characters in a setting and then I go write and figure out what the story is. I, I just, I feel like I've been burned by my current <laughs> manuscript because like I, I rewrote the damn thing, what, four times? Yeah. And it's just, and like every time it was a pretty serious plot rewrite and I, I don't want to have to do that again. So I'm trying something new. And like I said, it's also in the, I think it's in the best interest of the story. So, um, so that's what I did today. Very cool. And do you feel like this is something you're going to stick to as you write? I think if if this chapter book idea continues, 
then yes. And I also think that the next, um, because the, the book that I'm supposed to be working on before I came up with this idea, uh, was either a chapter book or a middle grade. I was still working it out. Right. Um, but I was also still working out the story. And I think after I finished this new book, um, when I go back to that one that I'm supposed to be working on, I will probably outline it. Yeah. Yeah. Just see, to see. I, I just, as you were talking, I had a sudden fear and I was like, all right, I'm going to outline this book. And then I'm going to write this book. And I'm like, what if this works really well? Yeah. And, and what, what if you have to change? Well, well, first of all, let's not even talk about that because me and change, uh-uh. Not so but, good. But, but what if I look back and I'm like, wow, all of my other books <laughs> like could have been either better or easier yeah, right? <laughs> if I'd done it this way from the beginning. <laughs> then I, I think I would, really, I would really lose my mind. Um, but it, it is... I mean, do you think that it will mean a different kind of writing or a different experience? So keep in mind that when I ghostwrite, I have outlines. That's true. So it's not like it's foreign to me. Yeah. As, it's not as your concept. outline, but it's right, an outline yeah. that you're given. Um, and I have to say the first time that I ghostwrote a novel, I was like, oh my God, I, I have so much that I need to achieve in this chapter alone. Right. And I can't go to the next chapter until I achieve all of these things because that's what this, this outline says. So it made me very plot driven. Yeah. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, plot is my weakest point when it comes to writing. And so it's just been a so you know, that was really helpful and necessary. Um and I just think that I think that it will be here too. Yeah. And again, because I I'm going to be dealing with such a small amount of words and pages that I like I have to get to the point. Well, I am really looking forward to seeing what you produce based on this outline. Um and I kind of, part of me wants to see the outline and then read the book, but I think I want to wait and read your ah, book first okay. and then look at your outline. Okay. And I want to like manage expectations here. Yeah. The outline is just a bullet point list. Yeah. Okay. 15 bullet points. Sure. With like three or three to five sentences per bullet point. That, that's more than I have ever done okay. in my life. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm envisioning like term paper outlines. Oh, like, everybody yeah. thinks that. <laughs> everybody. Let's talk about that for a second. Though. You know, every, I think everybody, I think the problem with the word outline is yeah. that everybody thinks of the formal, yeah. I think it's called the Harvard style um, outline that you were taught in high school, which is, you know, Roman numeral, Roman numeral one, one yeah. and then capital A, a and then uh-huh. Arabic one yep. and then lowercase a uh-huh. and blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, an outline for writing a book is can be just a series just of a bullet list. points. Yeah. It can be a series of paragraphs. It, you know, it doesn't have to have that sort of formal mm-hmm. structure to it. I mean, it has to have a structure obviously, but you know, the, the rigid outline that you use to write your term paper in eighth grade. Yeah. I don't, I, I, Oh my God, that I definitely draw the line at that. There's no way <laughs> well, yeah, there, you couldn't do that. Yeah. I have known people who've done something similar to that. Um, there was a book, uh, by, I, Oh God, I believe his name was Robert Ray called the weekend writer. Um, and I may have gotten all of that wrong, (laughs) but look in our show notes and I'll have it correct there. But he, uh, a a good friend of mine suggested I read this book a million years ago and he had like such a rigid structure for how you, you plan your novel. And his whole idea was, you know, you don't have a lot of time to write. Yeah. So you spend, most of your time planning. You spend a weekend planning it yeah. all, and then whenever you've got time to write, you can just drop into wow. the story and, and get some writing done. And it was just this crazy structure. And I, I tried it. I mean, I was like, hey, I'll try anything, you know? And I tried it. And, and you know, after trying to 
sort of design slash structure one chapter, I really, really, really wanted to do grave physical harm to myself <laughs> because I just, it was yeah. horrifying to me, but that was a very rigid, right. detailed structure, you know, down to the scene level, Wow, you know, um, what you're talking about, what we're talking about is something very, very different. Yeah. It's more of an overview, um, of, of, of what the story is. So I think that's different. Um, I have to say for the first novel, I ghost wrote, there were, um, there were jokes included in the outline. Really? Not a lot, but maybe half a dozen, but I was like, like jokes that you needed to incorporate Jokes that I needed to incorporate. When you say jokes, do you mean like actual lines of dialogue or just like, and then she makes a joke about blank, like the latter, like the latter. Okay. Yeah. Huh? It was really interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're ghost writing and, you know, the person who quote unquote owns yeah. the, uh, the, the story, they probably have, of course, you know, they have the general overview and that's why they're getting you to write it. Cause yeah. they don't have the specifics, but they probably have a few things that they're like, Oh, and this, this should be, be there. in there. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to get, I, I've never really thought about that. I've never ghostwritten before, but that, that's interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm not as surprised by that as, as I would think I would be. Yeah. So let us move on. We have some news. Congratulations are in order to you, Ms. Baden. Oh, thanks. Uh, you published a piece uh, at Hello Giggles. I did. Which is uh, the the brainchild of Zoe Deschanel, mm-hmm. which means something to us because we like New Girl. Yeah. Um, it's and, now owned by Time. Oh, it's now owned by Time. Yeah. Okay. Aren't we all owned by... Never mind. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah. You know, this was the... Um, one of the essays that I think I've referenced on the show before, but basically I found myself on eBay one day looking at old teen magazines from the early nineties, which is when I was like 10, 11, 12. And it just kills me I that, know, sorry. that the nineties are old <laughs> magazines too. So, um, and I wanted to write about it and, uh, it's, it's actually really funny. Full disclosure. I, I finally finished the essay, of course, and I pitched the toast, um, because I love that website. Right. And I was like, I don't know if it's the right fit for that, but let me try them. No harm, no foul. And they came back like literally three hours later and said no. And then the next day they announced that they were closing. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to take it personally then. (laughs) Um, So I pitched it to Hello Giggles and they took it right away and um, had some, some, actually they requested that I cut it in half, (laughs) but that's because the essay itself was um, sort of a two-parter and they were like, this is longer than what we normally publish and we like the first half much better. So uh, wind it up basically. So I did. Yeah. So it's been published. Yep. So we will put a link to it in the show notes. Okay. So that people can read it. It's a, it's a fun piece. Nice. You know, it it, I, it 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 was cool. Like looking back on these these teen magazines that you enjoyed and and talking about them now. And apparently, you spent hundreds of dollars. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> getting buying these on eBay. I honestly probably Our child spent. is now hungry because you spent all this money on eBay. But I that's okay. Spent total sixty dollars. Yeah. But. Th- that was one, two, three, four, five or six magazines. Yeah. So I feel like that's worth it. That's probably worth it. And you know what? The sheer enjoyment I got from reading them again. Sure. Seriously. Was sure. Priceless. Yeah. And I mean, I'm there with comic books. There are times yeah, I'll yeah. be like, did I just spend $50 on old comic books? Yeah. But I get much more than $50 worth of enjoyment out yeah. of it. Yeah. So... So you, you pitched this to two places and, and you got to publish. This is not the first time you've done this. You also published a piece on Huffington Post yeah. uh, in their weddings subsection mm-hmm. about our wedding. Yeah. Um, I have a piece on Pop Matters. You have a piece on Pop about Matters. Tori Amos. About Tori. You know, we'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes so that people can read it because uh, they're all very well written pieces. Um, and I find it interesting because you have a blog. 
I do. At MorganBaden.com, where you do blog, yeah. where you could have posted any of these things, but you decided to pitch them to other yeah. markets instead. And there will often be times where I will write something for my blog and you will read it in advance before I post it. And you'll say, Ooh, <laughs> you should pitch this somewhere. So let's talk first of all about what makes you decide to pitch something as opposed to just blogging it. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about another topic okay. related, but let, let's talk about that first. What, what, what do you think makes something pitchable versus bloggable? So it comes down to number one, um, general interest. So if you, if I write something that I think is of broader interest, then that's what I would focus on pitching. But number two, it's also about having an understanding of media outlets. Mm. So as an example, I have a friend who published something in the New York times, an online column. Um, it's, I can't quite remember what that column is called, but it's something about like, um, places in your neighborhood or neighborhood stories or something like that. And because it's the New York times, it's focused on individual tiny, you know, few blocks long neighborhoods of, um, Manhattan and the, all the boroughs. Okay. And when I saw her piece, it was about the street that you and I actually used to live on in Carroll gardens because they, they lived there too. And it was a very sweet piece about going into one of the bakeries, the old Italian bakeries in the neighborhood. It was not, there was no like news angle to it. Nothing, nothing like that. And I saw that and I was like, she's a wonderful blog. And I was like, it's interesting to me because I didn't know that that column existed. And I bet that I have written things that could fit into that column. Sure. Yeah. And so really sometimes it just comes down to, like I said, having an idea for something you want to write or writing it and then making the connection in your head of like, you know, I wrote this piece about teen magazine. I wasn't thinking when I, when I fell in love with all the teen magazines, I wasn't thinking to myself, like, I'm going to pitch this to, to a website. It was just like, I wrote it. And as I was writing it, I was thinking this feels bigger than my blog. Hmm. That's all. So I think it's just about, um, I, I feel like people, I, I feel like writers in general forget about the latter half of that, which is understanding media outlets and having a diverse knowledge of all of the different ones out there. So maybe this is one of the things where, um, where it's a struggle for you when it comes to Well, that's to what pitching. I wanted to talk about next. Yeah, because I feel like I'm always like, oh, you should pitch this. What about this? What about this? What about that? And you're like, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. And again, it's just because that's part of right. my career. Right. Like I, I work with those media outlets, so I know them. So, But then I have listened to you a few times in the past and I have pitched things. Yes. And they haven't. And they never pan out. Yeah. And I'm just like. I try to remember, I, again, I'm not a publicist, but I, I work very closely with the publicists at work. Right. The number of times that they pitch things to reporters versus the response they get. I mean, just generally speaking, there's a very low response rate and editors are overworked. We all know. So it doesn't surprise me that there is a high number of editors who do not respond to unsolicited writing pitches. It sucks, but, but it doesn't surprise me. And I guess that's the thing that just seems weird to me. I mean, I don't, there's no way to say what I'm about to say without coming across as being extraordinarily self-involved and sorry, but it's like, I'm not just some dude who's like, yeah. Hey, I have an idea for an article. Like I've got some credentials. Yeah. And so it just, it feels really weird. Like not to hear back even, yeah. or even there was one case where I did hear back. There was an outlet that was interested in publishing something mm-hmm. of mine. And, uh, they had a couple of questions, some things they wanted me to revisit. And I was like, okay, great. And it was right when you and I were going on our honeymoon. And I okay. said, 
I'm about to go on my honeymoon. I'll be gone for a week. When I come back after, I'll get in touch with you. And they were like, great, terrific. So I did exactly as I promised, got in touch with them when I got back. Never heard from them again. But and kept follow and yeah. followed up. But never keep in heard mind, from them again. That particular website then had a total revamp, like weeks later, and probably a significant staff turnover too. Yeah, and yeah. those are the things that I, I think a lot of people forget all the time is that there are internal things happening that sure, you, you sure. never know about. And like I said, that's why it's tough to say that without sounding self-involved. No, because there's not. always something no, else going yeah. on. But it is funny. Like I have. But like that, that's how I feel about agents. Yeah, when I query I agents and don't hear back for eight months, right. and I'm like, "Are you effing kidding me? Like, I'm not some Joe Schmo. Right? Like, I've ghostwritten best-selling novels. I work in publishing, and I wrote a damn good book. Like, yeah. just get have the courtesy to respond to me. So I, know. I, I hear it's, what it's you're saying. It's so strange, and it it reminds me of of comic books, quite mm-hmm. frankly, because you know, for years I was trying to get some stuff done in comics, and this was after I was an established author, and I just wouldn't hear back from people. Huh. And it was so weird. And I was talking one day to the guy who used to be in charge of one of the big companies. And I said to him, like, what am I doing wrong? Like, you know, yeah. one of your editors told me he loved this idea and to to get in touch with him after the holidays. And I did. And I never heard from him again. And this guy looked at me with a sort of knowing, weary sigh, said, yeah, that's one thing I've never been able to get through to these guys is you should call people back. Huh. And I'm just like, like, how do you like, like, do they have parents? Like they call their parents back. I'm sure. Like, just tell them it's the same thing. Somebody calls and leaves you a message, call them back. You know, somebody emails you, email them back. And I know everybody's overworked. I get that. I understand it. But it is like really weird, especially when you've got a relationship yeah. with, with the person mm-hmm. and they have said to you, yes, I am interested, yeah. send it. And then you never hear, yeah. never hear from them again. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing with agents. And it's one reason why. You know, I'm not interested in pitching stuff anymore. You know, I just put it up on my blog, you know, and I've got, you know, like four or five pieces that I've pitched that I just haven't posted yet because they're sitting there and there's a part of me going, maybe I should try again. But yeah, I've got a piece on diversity and a piece on men writing women and and stuff like that. That's just been sitting there for months because I'm just not 100% sure what the right move is. Maybe I'll just, just put it up on my blog. Yeah, you can always, I mean, it also comes down to what are your goals? Like, right. is your goal to be a freelance essay writer for websites? God, no. Exactly. So, no, like, you're not no. that invested in this I mean, and it's something that you're trying right. and whatever. I mean, I do but... it for two reasons. One, because you tell me to. And two is exposure. <laughs> and two is, yeah, just the idea, yeah. oh, you know, I might, you know, might reach, a couple reach people. some people that I haven't reached before. Or or just a different audience than, yeah. than I usually talk to. I mean, yeah. you know, my blog is reaching the same people mm-hmm. and I love them all. I love each and every one of them. But, you know, if, if I posted something somewhere else, it would be a different audience. Yeah. That would be nice. I and I think... see And I see other people doing it. Yeah. Like I see friends of mine getting pieces published in other yeah. places. And I'm like, Oh, like that person just had an op-ed in the times. Like, yeah. wow, I can write that, but eh, yeah. it's just, it's weird. I always think about how it really comes down to the culture of a place. So for example, like people who are applying for a job at a certain company and they're a very qualified candidate and maybe they've had an interview, but then they never hear back or something like that. And it's always like, what is the culture, th- culture there? And first of all, it's very possible that like, someone is on vacation and then the next person is on vacation and then something got held up and then there was a special project and you know, whatever. And so that's a delay. And so again, I think of like websites where both of us have pitched things and either never got any follow up or, um, or were strung along for a little bit. 
you never know what is happening right. internally at an organization. Right. It's like we talked about when we were talking about contracts and publishing. Yeah. How yeah. the contract was held up. Exactly. You know, for, for easily a month, month and a half, just because of these little things happening that were nobody's yeah. fault. Right. Like nobody targeted me. Nobody said, screw Liga, we're going to yeah. drag this out. It's just goofy things that happen that drag things out. and It's just life. Yeah, it's just life. So, all right. So, blocking versus pitching. We, we, you know, we have we haven't come down firmly either way, but it, you know, it seems like it's something that's worth trying at least. Yeah. Pitching to other places because we do have other outlets mm-hmm. to publish these things if we decide to. That is going to be it for us this week, and uh, we thank you as always for being here. Please, please, please visit us at writinginreallife.com. Leave us uh, feedback, send us email, look at our show notes. Follow us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast and go visit us on iTunes. Rate us, subscribe to us. It'll make us happy. And you want to make us happy because that's a good thing in life, making people happy. So thank you all very much. We will see you again next week. Bye.